Hey y'all, what's going on? It's Jack Vita, host of the Jack Vita Show. And before I get to today's episode, I just want to let you know we did run into a little bit of technical difficulties. I was having some difficulties with my microphone earlier when I recorded this episode, and I didn't realize it didn't sound great until after I finished recording. Therefore, it's been a lot of editing, and hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. I really hope you stick with the conversation, even though it doesn't sound as good as it does right now. My microphone, it might sound a little bit like I'm underwater, but the content of this episode, I think, is really, really good. The conversation is super interesting. So, Please stick around if you end up deciding to skip it, though. However, I understand, but I just wanted to address the elephant in the room and let you know that there was an issue with my mic. I fixed it, as you can tell now, and uh, we won't be running into this anytime soon. So if this is your first time listening to the Jack Vita show, believe me, it, it gets better than this. I'm not an amateur. We just had an issue today, but... It ended up being all right. Without much further ado, let's get to today's show. y'all and welcome into the Jack Vita show. I'm your host as always, Jack Vita, back in action this morning on Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. It's around 10:45 a.m., the day after the Hall of Fame voting which yielded no MLB Hall of Famers this year. We have plenty to discuss with Hall of Fame voting. There has also been some player movement in this uh, hot stove. It seems that it's starting to finally heat up maybe a little bit. Uh, been pretty dead winter for the most part, but we had some moves. We'll talk about those. College basketball is chugging along strong. And I'm so glad to be getting back into baseball form, getting back into college basketball. There's no NFL this week. NFL is uh, we're, we're almost done with football season. We're going to be finishing up pretty soon. There's no live stream this week, but we will be back with another live stream sometime next week. Once again, thank you to everyone who tuned in to our last live stream. We have eclipsed over 950 viewers on that live stream. I know not everyone tuned in live, but some people caught the uh, on-demand video on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So that was a lot of fun, and I hope you will join us for our Super Bowl preview Next week, we'll have plenty of guests joining us, and I will reveal the time sometime on my social media over the next few days for our plans with that live stream. All right, and before I bring in the guest, I just want to say, again, thank you all for tuning in. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That'll do a lot of good for us to get this podcast out to more people, grow our audience, Log on to my website, jackvita.com, and sign up to get email notifications whenever I write something, whenever I podcast something, you'll get that right in your inbox. That's a key for me in order to grow this audience and get things going here is to have a retaining people coming and checking it out each week. And if you're able to share this with your friends, people you know who like sports, who might enjoy what we're doing over here. Please do that, and that'll be a lot of a lot of good for me, a lot of good for the show. Um, 
very much appreciate all of you. And let me bring in our guest. I got him on the line today. Haven't had him on since uh, around the World Series, but that's a, probably par for the course with these guests. Chat every few months or so. Jake Poliga returning to the show. How are you today, Jake? Good, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Oh, always a pleasure. A lot of fun having you here. <laughs> always, man. Lots to talk about today, too. Yeah, a lot. Really a lot. So let's just dive right into it. Yesterday, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Uh, this is our the press votes in this situation, and nobody got into the Hall of Fame this year. Pretty wild set of circumstances. Yeah, I mean, real wild, uh, especially with, you know, all the well, all the people in this class that are, you know, very polarized and everything like that. You know, with Kurt Schilling, you, you got, he's got his whole ordeal. He he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about yeah. it. But, and it's, and it's unfortunate to see him, him go off and to do what he did last night, so he wants off the ballot next year. Um, I actually did just see though today they uh, Ken Ken Rosenthal said that they can't let him off the ballot. It's uh, supposedly like illegal to the Hall of Fame. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. So and so the, actually uh, one thing, one little interesting nugget I was listening to yesterday. Um, I guess a lot of these writers, some people are speculating that a lot of these writers are just waiting until Kurt's last year on the ballot to you know just kind of punish him, and then they're gonna Ooh. get him on. So I'm curious to see if if Kurt just kind of you know, gets in, gets in the hall next year and then just says, no, you know, I, yeah. I don't want, I already told you guys, I don't want to be in. <laughs> no, he wants, I think he wants in and I actually kind of liked what he was doing because I, to some degree, it's like, yeah, you're kind of taking a little bit of control and taking a little bit of power in, you know, you're being held in purgatory right now. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty crazy that he hasn't been voted in the hall of fame yet. Oh, no doubt. I mean, all three of those guys, Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling, I think they all should be in. Like, the way I look at it, man, is, is can you write the can you write the story of, of baseball without them? No, you, you really can't. And, and I think that's that's my big, you know, Hall of Fame discrepancy right there. So they a big part of the game. Can you, you have to, when you're telling the whole story of, of baseball's history, Obviously involves Barry Bonds, whether that's good or bad. Um, <laughs> Roger Clemens and Kershaw, you know, they're they're great, and so I think they definitely all deserve to get in. Um, I, I do think, I mean, they cheated. Um, <laughs> I think that's a it's a different story, different argument in itself. But like I said, they just they're such an important part of baseball, and you can't just write them off and just act like it never happened. You know, he's Barry's the home run king for for a lot of people. I, I mean. <sighs> Rest in peace, Hank Aaron. Wish yeah. uh, I wish Barry never crossed that bridge, but it happened. And and, and you got to put him in there just for just for that whole reason. You can give him an asterisk. You can do whatever you want, but I think they got to be in. Yeah, for me, I personally would not vote for Clemens or Bonds. But to tell the truth, Jake, the thing is with the Bonds and Clemens thing, it's kind of like debating politics, where it's like I totally understand why people would vote him in, and. I also understand why people would not vote him in. And so for me, it's like that whole thing. It's kind of like you kind of debate in circles if you spend too much time talking about it, because you and I could debate about it, but we're probably going to rehash all the same points that we've already heard before, and we're not really going to move anywhere. So like, I'm more interested in the guys past those two to highlight and talk about in terms of who should be in, who should not be in. 
because we've been stuck on them for almost 10 years now. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I totally see what you're saying. And, and you're right. It's a, it's a baseless argument. <laughs> um, it's kind of, it's kind of just like, you know, it's guided by your baseball ideals, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, everyone's going to have their own opinion. So yeah, you're, you're completely right. It's not really worth arguing. And, and we'll <laughs> see, we'll see in a matter of time. Yeah. So I'd love to chat about some of these other guys on the ballot and what we saw yesterday. But before that, I do want to just mention with Kurt Schilling, I think you and I both think he should be in the Hall of Fame. The thing with Schilling, and I I think it's kind of funny, is when did the press become the arbiter of morality, ethics, character? It's like, you know, the thing with Kurt Schilling is when he played, you never heard a single word about, oh, this guy's a real pill to have to deal with. I never heard any issues about people being teammates with him. He never got arrested. He never had, to our knowledge, he never had an affair and left his wife and his family. He's been a family man. It's really just that he's very aggressive on social media. And to me, I don't, I I, I draw a line between things that people say and their actual actions and what they're doing. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you, and and, I, and that's my, I mean, that's my big argument for this whole Kurt Schilling in the in the Hall of Fame thing is he was not even ten years ago or whatever he was he was still uh, commentating Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. He was beloved. He was beloved figure. He was, I mean, it, it's just it's just been the past really like the Twitter era, and and he's done some he, he's done a lot of harm to himself yeah. and and everything like that, but. I don't think he's done enough to really, you know, get himself out of the Hall of Fame. Obviously, I don't know. I, I, I'm not following the guy, like, following the guy like it's my job and everything. <laughs> there's probably there's probably a lot I've missed. But Same. I think I, I think character, like, one of the, the big things for the Hall of Fame, I guess, they're, they're supposed to be voting uh, partially on character. And one of the things I was, I was watching MLB Network yesterday, and one of the points someone brought up is, could you imagine giving this guy a uh, a Hall of Fame speech? Like, do we want him on our on our podium? And and someone else chimed in and said, "That's not how you should look at it." Yeah. And I completely agree. I don't think that's how you should look at it at no. all. Um, I think not. I think there's I think there's uh you know ulterior motives behind people not voting him in, and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste energy over it. Right. But I do think he should he I do think he deserves to be in. He's a MLB great. And in, during his play days, he never cheated, never did anything to, you know, hurt hurt his character until after. So I think he should definitely be in. Yeah, and again, I never hear, and someone could correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter and maybe send me links to stories, but I've never really heard any issues about people in real life outside of social media who know him in his real life or played with him. I've never heard any former players say, oh my gosh, here's the awful thing about playing with Kurt Schilling. All it is is the social media stuff. And you mentioned he was in the broadcast booth as recently as five years ago. And personally, I thought he was a dang good broadcaster. Uh, again, now, not to say that maybe they, you know, that they should have kept him or that he should still be going games. I, that's a conversation for another time, but. In terms of being in that broadcast booth and just highlighting and telling you stories of what's going on, I thought him and Smoltz were the two best at that. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I, th- I thought he was a really good broadcaster too. And um, I mean, like 
obviously, uh, I know, like, I know some people that, that know him and whatnot, and I, I haven't heard good things, obviously. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I've like, you can't, you, you can't really, you can't, you can't really discount a guy's whole entire baseball career off of, off of a couple of years of, you know, he's for all we know, Jackie could be going through his midlife crisis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, just, you know, I, I don't know. I, you, you can't believe everything you hear about this guy, um, good or good or bad. And, and I think at the end of the day, he, he deserves a shot in the Hall of Fame. I think, and like Jordan said, the other day, his family deserves that, that Hall of Fame recognition, whether Kurt wants it next year or not. And, and I think he's got a good shot to get in. From what I've heard, a lot of these voters are going to put a vote him in on his last year in the ballot. Well, I sure hope that is the case. In terms of play, he was one of the best postseason pitchers and really a great... Oh, he was a great... He was a great pitcher, regular season, postseason, and it wasn't just the one-year 4 thing with the bloody sock. The one team with him and Randy Johnson, where they pretty much put the team, the, at least their starting rotation, on their back, and they, those two guys were lights out. I can't remember a more dominant one-two in the playoffs. It, he was a great pitcher. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, he was a he was a Philly before those times, and yeah, obviously those were those were my uh, you know first couple of years in this world. But I remember you know Philly's history, everything like that. I I know all the Kurt Schilling Nuggets, and I know how good he was in the postseason for us. So he definitely deserves Jack from a peer from a peer player perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So, in terms of the guys past Clemens, Bonds, Sosa, uh, maybe a, a Manny Ramirez, you know, there are a few of these guys here that have been linked to PED. I guess we could also include them in this conversation. But outside of that group of the main guys that we talk about every single year, who would you have voted for? Had you been given a ballot this year, Jake? Let's go one by one. Give me your first name. Um. Well, this, this might be a little bit of a, um, a little bit of bias in here, but um. <laughs> so Mark Burley is actually my second cousin, maybe third cousin. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's <laughs> actually mar- married into the family somehow. I'm not. I've never <laughs> met him. Can't say. Can't say anything like that. But uh. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, and so I think I mean I saw, I did see that he was uh, I think he got the the most votes for a first year on the ballot. Yeah, he got eleven percent, so he'll be around next year. Yeah, yeah. So that that's nice to hear. I mean, I was always when I was a little kid. I remember when my mom first told me that I was so related to him. I was like so excited. I was telling all my friends at school because that was when he was a big deal. I was right around the no hitter. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I've always been a been a pretty big Mark Burley fan, and and I'd love to see him get shot. I don't know if he's necessarily um, deserving. I mean, I think I mean you can make the argument either way, but I don't know if he's ever you know at that at that elite level for for a sustained period of time. But I'd like to see him get in. Uh, I think Todd Helton. I think Todd Helton really really deserves to get in. I hate how Coors hurts a lot of these guys. Um, Billy Wagner, I think Billy Wagner is has an argument yeah. for for greatest closer of, of my lifetime because Trevor Rosenthal, you could argue, wasn't really 
you know, he was, he was like that his the end of his career was you know beginning of my life and everything like that billy wagner's really been the guy since then besides mariano obviously let's let's keep yeah. mariano on national league side of things yeah billy wagner just, yeah just you know um love to see love to see billy get in and then uh my favorite swing growing up that in wiffle ball i'm <laughs> always imitating this guy gary sheffield i would love yeah. to see, i would love to see him get in i'd i'd have to vote for him just off the fact that i always used to imitate his swing <laughs> um yeah and then and other than that um you know i think roland deserves to be in eventually um i think yeah. he was yeah, I, I think he was a great player on both sides of the ball he's obviously for whatever reason there's there's reasoning behind it and everything like that but he's just not beloved in in uh in philly and and i hear all that stuff and everything but i still think he's definitely deserving um yeah and then outside that i mean i I don't know, man. A- Andrew Jones, he was, he was a guy I was, I, I think you, you voted for Andrew Jones, right? Or that was one of the guys you said you would have. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if I had to vote, um, so let's just slow down a bit here. We'll talk about some of these guys yeah, you mentioned. Yeah. So Burley, he is a guy, I definitely am glad he passed the 5% so he can get a little more consideration moving forward. I don't, I don't know if I would vote him in the hall of fame. I was curious just as I was looking at the guys who were on the ballot, this year for the first time the only one there was one guy that i thought you know what i think i may have voted for him if just for the purpose of keeping him on the ballot for him to get a little more consideration moving forward tim hudson yeah i agree actually tim was a guy when i was looking at like three days ago i was looking at tim hudson i thought he was going to get a little more love than he did i was pretty shocked that uh, you know the like Tim Hudson was really good, especially when I was a young baseball fan. Yeah, kind of underrated because he pitched in Oakland and Atlanta and then San Francisco when they were at the very end. And he was really good in that 14 season where they won the last race. Yeah. Tim Hudson was a guy that after he left Oakland, unlike Barry Zito, because Barry Zito, you could take those like four years in Oakland and that was just like as great of a pitcher from that era as you could mm-hmm. find. But he signed that contract with the Giants, and really, the wheels came off. Yep. By the way, Barry Zito's book, I just read his book, great book, highly recommended. It's called Curveball. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these guys don't live up to that contract. And I was curious because Tim Hudson's a guy I hadn't thought about a whole lot and kind of kind of underrated career. He ended his se- even with a couple of, he had this last, his last year where he had a 4-4, ERA. Despite that, he still finished his career 17 years with a sub 3.5 ERA. He's a really dang good pitcher. Got Cy Young votes four or five times. Yeah, I, I think if you go 15 plus years with with uh you know below sub sub 3.5, I think then you got you have an argument right there in general. I think that's that's as impressive as as it gets right there. And and I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other other factors that play in but i think he was definitely a guy that that you know could make a case for being deserving he did get 5.2 percent he'll stick on the ballot that's a that's some good news right there tory hunter stuck around on the ballot he was really good player i don't know if he's a great player though yeah i think he's i think he's more like when i think of tory hunter i think of the name tory hunter i think of like you know elite glove in center field um, Angel, yeah. Angels twins. I just think of like you know, kind of like the Andrew McCutcheon of his era. I guess like just a very lovable guy. Um, 
yeah. you know, great. I think McCutcheon probably a little better. Yeah, yeah. I, I think McCutcheon. I think McCutcheon definitely had a better peak. And but I yeah. but but Toriano had a really nice long sustained career. He's a great fielder. Yeah, he's a great clubhouse guy. And I I think I I don't I don't think he deserves to get in the Hall of Fame, but I think he definitely deserves to stick around one more year. And yeah. And uh and you know be on this thing. I, and he, I I heard him talk yesterday about how much of an honor it was to just even be on the ballot. And like that's a class act right there. Oh, you yeah. know, that's the, the guy right there who's just happy he made it on and, and got to stay on another year. And so I'm happy to see that. Yeah. And you mentioned Billy Wagner. He's a guy I've been advocating for, for a few years now. I was watching MLB network. This is about four years ago or so. And Sean Casey was on there. And this is something that I would like to see more of is if I guess if I had a vote, I would run it as if I was doing an investigative journalism piece. And I try to talk to as many players from that era and Hey, what do you think about this guy? And one of the things that I think was really interesting is Sean Casey was saying that he was, Billy Wagner was the Mariano Rivera of the National League, even though he doesn't get the same kind of love and attention and it's, the sports kind of passed him by. We hear people talking about Billy Wagner in the year 2021, but Billy Wagner, he said there was no closer, no relief pitcher in the National League that he or any of his teammates feared more than him. And they said, well, what about Trevor Hoffman? Trevor Hoffman had the saves record for a long time. He's like, oh, Trevor Hoffman was a great pitcher, but and I didn't want to face him either. But Billy Wagner, oh my goodness, like Billy Wagner, no one wanted to face Billy Wagner. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, through absolute gas and from a from an awkward angle on the left side, like <laughs> can't imagine how tough that was to hit. And and the thing that's really frustrating me with the whole Billy Wagner case is he's getting discredited for his save count. And that's something that's like win count for a pitcher, you know, like that's, I think it's even less of a, of like a, of a factor. I mean, I mean, yeah, saves is. Is, a lot of people say saves is a, the number one for number one stat for defining closers. No, no. no. If, if Billy Wagner was a career Yankee, he would probably be the all time saves leader. Yeah. And he'd, he'd probably be looked at just like Mariano Rivera is looked at. I mean, it's all about situation. Like you can't, you can't discredit a guy because he wasn't put in uh, enough games that were that, that in the ninth inning with a three run or less lead. Like you can't discredit him for that unless the only way you could really look at that and hurt and like discredit him, I think is if he had a lot of blown saves and he just couldn't handle the pressure. But that definitely wasn't the case with Billy. Yeah. I also, I, Billy Bean, when I was reading uh, Moneyball recently, one of the things in there was about how Billy Bean, this is 20 years ago, he loved when a closer would kind of, would come up on free agency and you just let the closer walk and get the first compensatory pick. And then what he would do, or he would trade him. That was another thing. He traded Jason Isringhausen. And one of the things that he loved was he said, okay, well, now I'm just going to plug in another reliever that's pretty good. They're going to rack up that saves count, and then people are going to be, oh my gosh, this guy had 40 saves, and the save stat is so overrated, <laughs> then someone else will overpay for him. And then we get another first-round compensatory pick. <laughs> I like that. I like that thinking. That's smart. <laughs> That's what makes true, him so though, you, Yeah, it's true. Once you get that, I mean, like, think about it. Like, a guy gets 30, 30 saves in a year, and... He's getting no matter even if he had a three five ERA, which is just average among relievers. Really, he's he's getting a big payday. 
Yeah, so Scott Rowland, you mentioned him. He jumped up quite a bit this year, 35% to 52%. So that's a trend in the right direction for Scott Rowland. He's a guy that I'm kind of haven't made up my mind on, but I'm glad he's sticking around the ballot because I want to give him more of a, more attention and dive a little deeper into his career over the next few years. I feel like I've gone back and forth on him, but I do like that he was a really, really good bat and an elite defensive player. That's a, that's the type of combination that I like to see in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he'll, I think he'll end up getting in. What was he at? Yeah. 53% this year. Yeah. He'll, yeah. he'll definitely, he'll definitely get in. And I think that's, I think that's deserving. I think he was kind of underlooked as a, as a star for a lot of years this league, especially in Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, I think I think he he definitely should get in. And then you mentioned Andrew Jones. In terms of defensive center fielders from that era that you and I grew up in, it's you know we grew up in that era where the two thousands started. Two thousands is really everything that I remember in terms of my lifetime. Right at the beginning of the new millennium, and it's. Sort of fitting because that is an era in itself, the new millennium. But the two defensive center fielders that I thought were the very best that I've seen in my lifetime, Andrew Jones and Jim Edmonds. And Jim Edmonds wrongly fell off the ballot a few years ago. At the very least, he should have been a guy that should have been sticking around a little longer. He was a great bat. He was a great defensive player. Andrew Jones was a little bit of an upgrade above Edmonds. I think he was a little bit better than him. Uh, Andrew Jones, part of the problem is he signed that contract in Texas, and he never was the same guy. And I think it's possible that he may not have actually been as young that he had said he was. We've heard a lot of stories about the Miguel Tejados of the world who come from uh, come from another country, come into... Uh, <laughs> they come into... Yeah. America and they lie about their age or, you know, they misrepresent how old they are. And Andrew Jones Mm -hmm. was supposedly 19 playing in the World Series. It's possible that he may have actually been 22, 23, and that's why his his peak ended a little sooner than people expected it to. But I don't think he should be penalized for those years. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, To that point, though, uh, your, your Jim Edmonds point, when I think of my childhood and, and I think of any this defensive center fielder, um, and Jim Edmonds, that that over the head, over the shoulder grab out in uh, out yeah. tracking tracking balls down in center field, uh, he was a joy to watch. Yeah, would do you think he should have gotten more consideration or not really? What do you think about him? Absolutely, I think he's. Um, I don't know. I think I think he's got a. I mean, he's one of the elite center field gloves of all time, especially of this gener of like our era. So I think he definitely should have stuck around a little more. I'm not gonna go as far as saying he was a uh, Hall of Fame worthy, but I think I mean he's 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 got his case. Yeah, he's got a case. And then Jeff Kent is another guy who would have been on my ballot. So I would have gone Schilling, Wagner, Jones, and Jeff Kent. I think those would have been my Four. But Jeff Kent was no second baseman has hit more home runs than Jeff Kent. He was on a team with Barry Bonds, which uh, provided some fireworks at times, which was always some fun entertainment for the spectators. But he was on a team with Barry Bonds in 2000, and Jeff Kent won the MVP. He was a better player, at least in that 
individual season. Jeff Kent, I think, belongs in the Hall of Fame. He was a great hitter. He, uh, the thing that he's been penalized for that I keep hearing is, oh, he was such a bad defensive player. And while he was not a good defensive player, he could make a play. He, he wasn't a guy that you felt like, oh, we gotta take him out late in the game because he's gonna kill us defensively. He wasn't, he wasn't a great defensive player, but I think his defensive struggles have been a little overstated. And if we're going to put a guy like Edgar Martinez in the Hall of Fame, as a designated hitter, then why are we going to penalize someone like Jeff Kent for his defense? Yeah, no, I think that's the precedent you lay down when you put when you put Edgar in. And I think Ed, Edgar absolutely is, is deserving of getting in. No question. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see him get in in that final year. I mean, that was that was awesome. I was uh, I was actually got to, I got to meet him a couple days after he got inducted oh. uh, last summer and. And, uh, and so, I mean, I, I think you're completely right there. I think defense shouldn't be as much of a deteriorator as, um, as it is for a lot of these guys. And, and Jeff Kent wasn't, he wasn't horrible. I mean, he wasn't a complete liability over there. He's just, you know, just league average for maybe a little bit below league average, but he was an incredible bat. And I think he's definitely got his case too. And so then there were two guys that, fell off the ballot immediately two years ago that I like to bring up. And those are, in addition to Edmonds, Lance Berkman and Roy Oswalt. I thought that Roy, Roy Oswalt was at his peak. I thought he was a better pitcher than Mike Lucina, who got into the Hall of Fame. Now, Lucina had much more longevity. But if you look at the eight or nine years that Roy Oswalt had, he was, he was an incredible pitcher. And I thought... I think he should have at least stuck on the ballot and get more than 5%. Berkman, his career numbers are eerily similar to Edgar in terms of war, in terms of batting average, home runs, RBIs, uh, on-base percentage, OPS. Very, very similar. And Berkman, for that matter, also played a position. Yeah, yeah. Berkman's a guy that, that I remember pretty fondly. I mean, he was... Uh... He was he was really exciting playoffs too for those Cardinal teams, um, especially like hitting behind pool holes. And you know he was a switch switch hitting yeah. switch hitting uh, switch hit, switch hitter hit for, hit with power hit for power and he was a really exciting player. And I mean he's he's a pretty good defender and he's got he's a pretty just well-rounded player in general. I mean nothing nothing exactly jumped out to you like he's not a you know 500 home run guy or thing like that, but I think he's definitely got his case too. I don't know if he's necessarily worthy of a worthy of Hall of Fame getting in, but I think he's definitely worthy of, you know, staying on the ballot and getting that five percent threshold. Which first of all I just want to point out that that five percent for five percent on the first year, I think that's such a stupid rule. It is dumb. I agree. And all right, there are a couple other guys and we can shift gears here. Uh Andy Pettit is right around 13%. He went from 11% the year before. I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been more talk about Andy Pettit considering that he was on the Yankees in their heyday. Typically, guys who play on the Yankees get a little more attention. One of the best postseason pitchers ever. He was a little bit Madison Bumgarner before Bumgarner, but not to the extent of Bumgarner. Both uh, left-handed pitchers who were um, incredible postseason pitchers. He was a really good regular season pitcher. Now, he was on the Mitchell Report. Uh, he did take HGH, 
but it, I think it was the, it was a weird set of circumstances where he had a trainer tell him, Hey, you should take this stuff. And it hadn't been banned at the time because they didn't outlaw HGH until later. And Pettit, the thing with Pettit is he's been like, he's one of those guys that everyone talks about how great Andy Pettit is, how he's one of the good guys in the game and how, um, so he's the type of guy that what he said, there's, there's some level where I, I believe what he's saying. Now I understand maybe he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, but I am a little curious as to, I'm a little surprised, I should say, that he's a guy that hasn't been talked about at least a little more. Yeah, I agree. I, but I think the thing with Andy Pettit is, I just don't think he was ever at that, you know, elite level for, for a sustained period of time, yeah. which, which is kind of one of my criterias for a, for a Hall of Fame guy. Um, I, when I think of Andy Pettit, I really, I really think of Mark Burley. I think they're pretty similar. You know, they had both had nice long careers, and I think if Mark Burley was a Yankee for his career, I think he would have, you know, been cemented in that, in that uh, baseball history, just like Andy Pettit is. And so, I, 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 I don't, I don't necessarily know if I like, if I like the argument for Musina and and Pettit and guys like that, but. I'm not the one who's going to be who's turning turning the or turning away guys in the Hall of Fame all the time. I, I, I'm more inclusive. I'd like to see my boy Burley get in. And, <laughs> yeah. Pettit, by the way, I was just curious. I looked it up. Three-time All Star, five-time World Series champ. He had uh, oh, I have to look up postseason numbers, but three eight five for a career. That's that's good. It's not great. I guess that's similar to Messina. And then uh, top. Top six in Cy Young five different times. Mm, that's an impressive stat. So uh, be, before we get off the Hall of Fame um, subject, just wanted to ask you. So next year, uh, my boy Jimmy Rollins comes on the ballot. Uh, <laughs> what, before, before any before any prior research anything like that, what do you think about his chances? Jimmy Rollins. Well, I think he'll probably stick on the ballot. He'll probably pass that five percent in year one. I need to. He's a, I know he won MVP. He won a World Series. He's a multi-All-Star, and he was a multi-Gold Glove winner. So there's absolutely a case with him. I'm. It'll be interesting to see what happens, I guess. I need to look a little deeper into those numbers, but he yeah. also had that really great hit streak, which is a lot of fun. He had maybe like a 40-game hit streak. Yeah, he's, 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 uh, Jimmy Rollins is my favorite player of all time, so obviously I'm going to tell you yes, but... <laughs> But in, in realistically, I think I mean I think he might come. He's probably going to come a little short to Hall of Fame. But he's yeah. got, he's got so many built baseball nuggets. Like you said, the hitting streak. Um, he's he's the only player to hit oh, hit over 200 home runs, over 100 triples while appearing in uh, 1500 games at shortstop. Um, he he's one of the he's one of the only only three guys since like the 60s in the in that 2020 2020 club i think i said that did i say that four times or five times the 20 <laughs> 20 triples 20 doubles 20 homers 20 steals and i think that's that's impressive in itself and so i'd love to see my boy jimmy get on but get in but we'll see i'll also add in terms of philadelphia guys bobby abreu is that he's at eight point percent did at any point in Bobby Abreu's career, did you ever think he was a Hall of Famer? I always thought he was a really good player, but not a great player. Yeah, I agree. I, Bobby's a guy that I'm. I'm not. I'm. I couldn't really make an argument for it. 
was a he was a really good player for it felt like a really long time and 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 that's that's great you know that gives him a, a place in baseball history but i don't think that necessarily gives him the gets him into the hall of fame yeah he's only i looked it up only two-time all-star like he was a he was a really good player he's a good defensive player he, he had a lot going for him but he's not a great player he never stood out at the time he wasn't a guy that you really feared when in that era there were so many great hitters and position players he I think the Hall of Fame, you got to have a little bit of that, and I don't think he had that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Jake, in terms of other baseball stuff, we got some news a couple days ago that the Players' Union and the owners were unable to come to an agreement to expand the playoffs or have a universal DH for this season. National League is still going strong, at least for another year. So I'm a, I'm a little happy about that. I must <laughs> I must be honest. Yeah, we touched on this in the last pod, actually. Um, I remember, or you giving your your opinion on this matter, and, and I gave mine. <laughs> we we share opposite opinions. I'd like to see the the DHN, but but then again, that is I'm I'm still I'm still a bit of a baseball purist, and I don't mind it. You know, I'm not happy. I'm not thrilled about it. I'd like to see the then I'll get the DH because it really helps the Phillies and it creates <laughs> extra jobs, and especially the expanded playoffs. So that's actually one I'm a little little more upset about that because the Phillies division is just absolutely ridiculous. And I think I think you've got a really good point with saying that we should wait to expand playoffs until we expand uh, expand with two or get two more teams in general. I think that's a good argument, but but right now I just I, I just think. You know, the more the better with playoffs and everything, and and I'm just a big fan of that that component of you know that, that one sixteen seed upset in March Madness. <laughs> I love seeing, uh, I do love seeing the little guy get in, and you know those New York Giant type Super Bowl runs, and 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 I'd love to see my Phils go on one of those, but I get it. You know, I think I think four teams in the playoffs, five if you want to count the the wild card game. But I think I think it's the right number. I think the DH rule is probably good. It's, it's probably good how it is. You know, you don't want to take out too much of baseball history. And I think these are some things that that we should, uh, we should you know, reassess in maybe maybe a year or two. Yeah, I think the thing is really what the NFL had going prior to this year. I don't love seven in the playoffs just because I think the regular season should mean something. But I also don't think the regular season should be an end-all, be-all. I think that it's good to have, you know, six teams from each league out of out of 16. It seems like the right number of teams. I don't need a team with a losing record getting into the playoffs and ruining a team that had a remarkable 105-win season bowing out in the first round to, in a weird two out of three, or if it ends up being three out of five. Like, I just don't, I don't need that. I, I would like to... I want those teams to at least get down to the final four in their league. So what I really want to see is if we can expand and we can do that NFL model. I thought it was remarkable. I understood why they changed it. They're going to make more money by expanding the playoffs. And it probably even works a little better for football to have more teams in the in the playoffs than I think it would for baseball because if you're giving – Teams buys, um, which I guess would happen if you expand to six. Buys aren't necessarily great in baseball. Sometimes you get a little too rusty, and it's good to just keep playing 
I would like to see, I think would definitely be best. Let's add two more teams. And when you get to 32, that's the perfect number of teams in a league. About to get there in hockey, which will be cool when the Seattle Kraken make their appearance pretty soon. But with baseball, let's add a couple teams. We can put them in Nashville. There's probably another good place like San Antonio or maybe uh, Charlotte is another good one. Put them in the South, and I've pitched that idea to you of what you could have where you could you wouldn't even need to move a team from the National League into the American League or vice versa. You could have 16 in each league, and what I think would, and then you have four divisions, four teams in each division. And I think what would be really fun is you could, what I would love to see, once you have that even number teams in each league, there'd be less interleague play. And I think interleague was a lot more exciting when it was just a six-week showcase type thing, or it was even less than that. It was like three weeks. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I remember as a kid thinking like, oh, it's interleague play. I think that was always really exciting to me. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, I'd like to I'd like to touch on your uh, I'd like to touch on the point of the whole expansion and you know division realignment. Yeah. So, uh, so so you're saying you're saying you want four divisions in each in AL and NL respectively, and uh, so you want an East, Central, South, and West. Is that what you're saying? Uh, North, South, North. East, and West. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So basically, the football model. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's definitely how it should be. I think if you if you had four divisions each, you know, let let obviously each of the division winners get in, and then and then you could have two two wild cards, but but then you got the whole idea, like like you said. I mean, buys don't really don't necessarily help you in baseball because you know it's it's not like football where a week of rest is huge. Obviously, it's nice to rest your pitchers and everything, but but I don't know. I, I I don't know how you'd feel about being the one seed taking a whole week off. I think it'd be I think it'd be cool. Well, I would say Jake, Jake, I yeah. would say that you have that um, three versus six and four versus five would be a two out of three series. Yeah, and I think that I think that best of three series should should be uh, should be all at home for the for the higher seeds. So you know yeah. you know you gotta you gotta take you gotta take two in, in their ballpark, and that's gonna be really tough to do. So that kind of you know add add the element of oh this isn't gonna be happening all the time the upset, but when it does, it's it's really impressive because they're taking both at their ballpark. Play them in three straight days, so you're not yep. taking longer than that, and then you just Maybe you get one day off after that, and then you got to play right away. So there would be, well, yes, you'd be rusty. They'd have used their top three pitchers, and they'd be behind in their rotation. So there would be advantage to having that buy and not having to play a two out of three. I like that. So I guess it would have its pros and its cons. Yeah, I like that a lot, though. I think that's a great way to, to you know, shake off or to equal out the, the rust factor and, and kind of make it a, give a good advantage for the guys who are getting buys. Have I ever told you my idea to fix the All-Star game? No, let's hear it. So there was, for a while, people were unhappy with back that home field advantage was going to the winning league in the All-Star game. And personally, I never had a huge beef with it, considering that if you're playing the last few years, the American League has had a lot of really bad teams. So the win total in the American League are disproportionate to what they would be in the National League because the National League had more average teams. The teams at the bottom weren't as bad. It's a little more competitive and spread out. 
And so I never thought that that was a really bad way for you to determine home field. My, what I would modify it with would be the winning league gets their choice. So let's say that the Phillies are the National League champions this year, Jake. I'll be super hypothetical for you. <laughs> Phillies win the National League, and they're playing the Yankees. National League won the All-Star game. Phillies have the option, do they want to have extra home field so they get that home field for Game 7, or do they want the World Series played with National League rules or American League rules? So you essentially are making your decision hey, we get to pick what rules we play for the entire series, but we cough up home field advantage. Or you choose the home field advantage, and the American League team gets to make their decision as to what kind of rules they'd like to play for the whole series. I think that would be interesting, Jack. I actually like stuff like that. I like turning, I like giving, like, elements of, you know, strategy, like, I think that like that's like pre World Series strategy right there and yeah. and you know yeah like I, I I like that idea a lot I think little things like that like I don't know how you feel about the the idea that will be um, tossed up there about like you know the one seed getting to choose who they play in the first round but I was actually a big fan yeah. of that I think I I actually really like that all that stuff you know like yeah like given given teams choices to kind of like create their own strategy and then obviously that creates you know, the one seed picks picks a rival or something like that. That creates yeah. just headlines on headlines. So I love that idea. Yeah, I I really like that idea too, Jake. With having some type of it would it would add some extra animosity to these series, and that's what I think a lot of sports. I don't. I wouldn't say it's lacking, but you don't. Well, I think it's absolutely lacking in the NBA. Is there isn't enough competitive nature alpha males going against other alpha males it's a lot of like "Ooh, i want to be best friends with this guy and we're going to go play together on a different team i want stuff that's continuously creating competition uh survival of the fittest oh i agree completely could you uh, could you imagine this year if the dodgers got that one seed and they're just they're just like you know what f it we want to play the padres in the first round we don't want to see him in the second round <laughs> And, and they chose that. I mean, obviously, I think that wouldn't be a bad idea, too, because this year you had Clevenger. I think Lamette was out, too. So that yeah, would he was. Yeah, so that would have been the time you want to run into him. So can you imagine the Dodgers picking the Padres in the first round of this last year and how much, how many headlines that would have created, how much drama? I, I think that would have been really cool. That would have been awesome. So in terms of other stuff, we are finally having some hot stove stuff heating up. And the Phillies uh, agreed to a contract to retain JT Real Muto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you're pretty happy about that, Jake. Oh. Five years, 115 million. Thrilled, Jack. I'm thrilled about it. Finally, uh, finally making some moves. And I don't think I don't think this would necessarily put the Phillies any higher than third, maybe fourth in the division. That's how tough it is. <laughs> but uh, but you know, it's it's an entertainment business and. And they're a much more entertaining team. And they've got a legit shot now. I mean, if you look at last year's team, the Phillies bashed. If hope, I'm assuming they're going to resign Didi. Um, that's really the only shortstop out there right now. Andrelton and Freddie Galvis, the only other two guys the Phillies are rumored to. They just got signed yesterday. And so I'm assuming we signed Didi back. And then if you look at this team, this is going to be the same lineup coming back as last year with 
with only, you know, Alec Bohm is going to be a year better. Um, I'm hoping, hoping to get a, that breakout 2015 year from Bryce again. And, uh, and I think this lineup is going to be really good. And then if you get, if you get a, you know, Wheeler to repeat his performance, Nola to continue to excel, Eflin to take another jump. And it, it, our, the biggest thing is just getting an at least average bullpen. I, and I think the Phillies have a chance to contend and maybe hop in the playoffs there as a wild card. I think so too. And I love, you know, I love Joe Girardi for that matter as well. Yeah. Joe, Joe's my guy, man. Uh, I, I know, <laughs> I know how much you love him and he's, uh, he's probably my favorite, favorite Phillies manager since, definitely since Charlie. <laughs> the Blue Jays are making some more noise. They pick up Marcus Semien on a one year, I think it was around $18.5 million this year. And it sounds like they're actually going to have Semien playing second base with Biggio potentially moving into the outfield and Fobachet remaining at shortstop. Semien was third in MVP voting in 2019, the last regular season that we had. Yeah, I think the Blue Jays are a really intriguing team this year. Um, I have actually thought that since uh, since the beginning of the of the of the off season. Um, fun fact: I actually threw uh, thirty bucks to win a thousand on uh, on the Blue Jays to win the World Series next year, just because you know you know I was I got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in fantasy. I've got uh, and yeah. I, I got a lot of a lot of stake riding in these guys. I think they can be really exciting. I don't know if they're necessarily there for next year. But, um, but I think they're the team that, you know, the next four or five years, they're going to be continuing in that discussion, you know, could win the ALEs. They're going to be competing with the Yanks day in, day out. And I think it's a really exciting team. I think they just they, they just need uh, one more arm, I think. You know, that rotation's pretty nice. You know, Ryu, Ray, um, Pearson, hopefully, obviously, you know, the, I, I think it's going to boil down to the young guys breaking out or not it's if flatty can finally be what everyone thought he was going to be if piercing can get you you know 150 innings maybe um and i don't know i just i just think i, I think they've got a legit shot and the, and the rays are going to take a step back boston's not that good this year i think the al is pretty wide open right now the nl is a lot a lot better yeah that's a lot of good points there with the blue jays It'd be interesting to see Semyon taking that one-year deal uh, I wasn't expecting him to take a one-year deal. I'm curious if that ends up being the case for Marcelo Zuna, considering last year he had an MVP-type season. But I think most of these teams know that, hey, you know what, this guy, he did have a resurgence last year, but it was a 60-game season, and he's been riddled with injuries prior to last year, seemed to really regress when he went over to the Cardinals. And the Braves have been really good at maximizing these guys on one-year contracts. I'm starting to wonder if a lot of teams are cautious to give a big contract to Ozuna and if he ends up maybe re-upping with the Braves for another year. Yeah, I think another thing that really hurts him is the DH rule. I, I think, yeah, I mean, that, 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 like, I don't know if you really want him and him, you know, playing left field for you every day. And so I think that really takes you know, he kind of out of the, out of the running right there. I could definitely see him still signing with the Braves for a one-year deal. Um, I'm not ruling that out by any means, but I think, I think he ended up, ends up getting like, you know, some that's three, four years and, and on some AL team. Yeah. And, 
And, you know, it might be a little bit of an overpay, but he did have an incredible year last year. And like you said, though, the Braves just find a way to get that out of everyone. So the Braves are going to need to replace that bat. That's a that's a big deal for them going into this year. I love the Braves. I've been big on them the last few years. And I when you and I chatted after after the season ended, I had said the Braves right now would be my favorite to win the National League. Now I'm starting to think, well, I'd like to see them replace that bat before I get super confident in them. Be curious to see what ends up happening with the Braves. I do think that they seem like the most logical place for that Chris Bryant trade to happen, which you had pitched to me a year ago. <laughs> which I had pitched for it not to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it still could happen, Jake. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it, it definitely could. I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, that's the Braves' bread and butter right there is bringing a guy in who's who's got one one year left and going into a contract year, I mean, that's when you get you guys who are most motivated, um, you know, have, have just a lot to prove there. And, and Bruce has done so well with that. They have a void at third base. I don't see why they wouldn't go after Chris Bryant. Um, they have to obviously have to farm too. I mean, they've got more, more prospects than they can handle over there. So I don't know why that wouldn't happen, but I'm obviously not, not hoping it does. <laughs> and if, if it, if it does, the Braves are just going to be just legitimate, World Series contender. I think they already are, but right now that division is so tough, and I think that Dodgers and the Padres are both just better all-around teams. So, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not not a Braves guy whatsoever, but obviously, <laughs> you know, they're probably going to win that at least again. <laughs> Albert Destrade, who's a guy who's been on this show, he did a really good job. Joined me last postseason. And Albert played college baseball and actually competed on Survivor, but he knows a lot about baseball. He's a Braves fan, and he mentioned this to me. I was texting with him the other day. I said, what do you think about this Chris Bryant trade potentially? And what what would the Braves, what do you think a fair package is? Because, you know, at this point, the Cubs are going to need to want to get something for him because I don't think Chris Bryant is going to be staying in Chicago past this year. It seems that neither party really wants to. I don't think the Cubs don't want to really spend a whole lot of money right now. They're in a rebuild at the moment. And Bryant, I don't think he loves Chicago. I don't think he wants to stay in Chicago long term. I actually think change of scenery will be good for him. So Albert's trade proposal was Austin Riley, Bryce Wilson, Tuki Toussaint, and a low-level minor leaguer. That's what he thinks would be a fair package. As a in ooh, as a Braves fan, I wouldn't be thrilled giving up that much. Yeah. I think Bryce Wilson and and Tukey, I think both a lot of upside there. So I wouldn't. I mean, if that's Jack, that's the package. Then and I I'm not complaining too much because obviously. <laughs> I think I think I, I obviously I think KB is going to hit the market, and so if they're getting one, if they're giving up you know three legitimate young like young three th- if they're giving up some legitimate young talent like that, I would I would like to see it for a one year guy who's not in the Phillies in twenty twenty two. I think that'd be a really good package for the Cubs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that that's an incredible package for the Cubs right there. Just. Just the fact that you know they need those young arms in the in the back of the rotation, and and Austin Riley would be a nice just little little substitute for Chris Bryant over there. 
Absolutely. All right. Anything else in terms of hot stove happenings right now, Jake? Anything that we missed? I guess Andrelton Simmons signed with the Twins last night, and Polanco's moving over to second base. Is there anything else here that we should be uh, making note of? I don't think so. Well, folks, that does it for my conversation with Jake Poliga, at least the first half. We ended up deciding to chop this episode into two bits just because it went a little long and we figured, hey, we could have one episode for the baseball, one for the college basketball. If you enjoyed our conversation today, make sure you tune in to tomorrow's episode when I release the college basketball conversation that we had. It was a lot of fun. Really am excited to talk more hoops, more baseball as we get closer to spring training and we're really entering into that stretch of college basketball that's just so great. Really great. I'm excited to be able to watch more and to talk about it more on this podcast as it is a love of mine. So make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcast so you don't miss our next episode coming up. As I mentioned, next week... We will have a live stream on Wednesday. Stay tuned on social media. I'll provide more updates as they come. I don't want you to miss out. We had a huge, awesome um, stream just the other day with 950 of you watching that. So really excited about where we're going with this show. Guys, if you like this show, share it with a friend. Share it with someone you know, uh, get them on our, get them to subscribe, get them on the email notifications. That's how we can build this podcast up. And lastly, the other way that you can support this show, as I have been mentioning, as I've been asked recently, how can I support the show? People have said, Hey, you should set up a Patreon. I don't want to have a Patreon right now. I think that all of my content should be accessible to everybody without a paywall. However, I know that some folks want to support the show financially, and I'm not going to turn them away, so I have set up a PayPal button on the homepage of jackvita.com, and you can click. It's right there at the top uh, on the right-hand side. You can click and donate any dollar amount, and that would be amazing and awesome. And by the way, I still got stickers for the podcast that have the Jack Vita Show logo on them. So I'd love to hook you up with some stickers. If you donate at least five bucks, uh, I'll get in touch with you. I'll send you an email or a social media note or something, and then I can uh, hook you up with some stickers and ship them out to wherever it is that you live as my way of saying thank you. Guys, um, really fun episode today. Hope you all are ready for tomorrow's with the college basketball. Until then, however, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.